Now he was teaching in one of their synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of God for the people of God. She shouldn't even be there. This woman who's walked in shouldn't even be there. This is a gathering at the synagogue. This is like a Sunday school class for men. She's not invited. She shouldn't be there. And yet she walks in. This is how Luke begins this section. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. What a strange sight to see this bent-over woman walking into a room where she was not invited and not included and really not welcome. The leader of the synagogue knows the rules. He's a responsible guy. He's going to work this out. He is ready to remove her. I kind of understand. Just imagine if you were here in Sunday school or, or even here in the sanctuary this morning and somebody just came through the door, didn't quite look like us, not quite dressed like us, kind of wandering and staggering in. What would we do? If they were going to interrupt things, we probably would stop them. I mean, we would have to respond. I know. I've prepared. It's my moment. If they're going to come in and interrupt, you may feel the same. You came for a certain reason. We're going to respond. And Jesus responds. Luke tells us in verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. 
What in the world is Jesus doing? She shouldn't even be here. He surely shouldn't be talking to her. And now he's going to touch her. Everybody must have been thinking, no scripture study is going to work out today. This thing has gone off the tracks. We've gone awry here. But he talks to her. And surely enough, he touches her and heals her. Luke goes on with the story in verse 14. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. And as I read that, I think he has a point. If you need to see me, or if you need to be a part of the church, lots of days to come, I'm here about every day, come see me then. Don't come right now and interrupt what we have planned and what we have going and what we think is going to happen. Kind of reminds me of something that happened here just a few weeks ago. I'd finished the early service, the 8.30 service, had been shaking hands, everybody had dispersed, gone on to coffee or breakfast or Sunday school or where they were going to go. I was scheduled to teach Sunday school. I had my lesson, I'm thinking about it, I'm on my way to the classroom, and just before I go into the classroom, a couple of our members kind of gesture, and I turn to see a woman who is several months pregnant. They whisper to me, she says she needs to see a pastor. And so I introduce myself, find out her name, ask her what's going on. And she says, well, we, and kind of gestures to a gentleman standing behind her I hadn't noticed. She said, we are traveling from Texas to Kansas City. We're on the bus. We stopped to stay in Tulsa overnight. We stayed in a hotel room. They asked for a $200 deposit. We put it down. He smoked a cigarette during the night. It was a non-smoking room, and they kept our $200. And now we don't have any money for bus fare. Can you help us? And I'm thinking about my Sunday school lesson. I'm a little indignant. I'm making some judgments in my mind about, well, you kind of created this yourself, didn't you? You've made some bad decisions before you got here. And yet, I also kept hearing in my mind Jesus saying things like, love your neighbor as yourself. You'll be known as my disciples if you love, if you do the good, for one another. Or that story where he talked about everybody loves those who love them, but who will love the whole world? And he ends that by saying, well, those who follow me. Therefore, be merciful or compassionate, some translations say. Some say perfect, some say loving. Be merciful or compassionate like your Father in heaven. So I say, okay, we can help you. 
but I've got to go teach Sunday school, so you're going to have to wait until I have a moment where I can find out more about what's going on and how we might be able to respond in an appropriate way. I asked those who had escorted them up to take them downstairs so they could get coffee and a snack while they were waiting. Luckily, I work with a great team of people, and Brenda Reed, our administrator, and Sarah Pugh Montgomery were both here that morning. They were not scheduled to teach. They saw them downstairs. They went ahead and talked with them and assisted them. But I can identify with the leader of the synagogue. I understand the leader of the synagogue trying to keep order and avoid distractions and stay focused because we have work to do. There are people coming that we're committed to serving on a Sunday morning on the Sabbath. Yet, in this story from Luke, that doesn't seem to be the priority for Jesus. He keeps doing things and saying things that mess this whole situation up and really make the rules all muddy in terms of what's going on. I mean, Luke tells us he stops talking to the congregation that's come to hear him, and he goes over and begins to talk to the woman. Stops teaching to talk to the woman, I thought to myself. Now, I don't know if that's fair. He starts talking to her. He says she's set free. He touches her. Luke says she is healed. And then I realized he is still teaching. Oh, he's quit talking to the congregation. He's talking to the woman. But everyone is watching. And he is still teaching. As he so often does, he's challenging the norms and the rules and the regulations of organized religion. He knows what he's doing. The synagogue leader sees him and doesn't quite understand what he's doing yet, I don't think, and keeps trying to tell the crowd, now listen, there's six days that you can come here for work. You could be cured then. Not today. But that's just it. Jesus doesn't see it as work. He sees it as love. The rules were clear. You cannot work on the Sabbath. Can you love on the Sabbath? Can you serve? Someone else in need on the Sabbath? Can you do good on the Sabbath? After Jesus heals her, and he hears what the leader of the synagogue is saying, Luke goes on with the story in verse 15 and says that Jesus is looking at the leader of the synagogue, but of course he's addressing everyone there, and he says, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? The spirit of the law is elevated 
above the letter of the law. Jesus sees himself coming to reveal to us this love of God, and sometimes he crosses the lines of normal, everyday religious practice to do just that. In this situation, he's saying, aren't people just as important as your animals? Surely people are more important than religious rules and regulations. Surely, if we have opportunity to extend the love of God, we should jump at the chance. We should move on that opportunity. Jesus embodies a notion of love that reveals God's intention that all of us, all of us, experience the goodness or fullness of life. Jesus sees this woman who's been bound for 18 years and he cannot help but respond. He acts to set her free. I tried to think if we were doing that here at Boston Avenue and all the many ways that we might be doing that. I thought about our compassion ministry that we've started on Thursday nights working with a population of people that are really struggling, some with mental health issues, some have had devastating physical injuries that they're trying to recover from, some from addiction issues, some fighting depression or other mental illness. We're trying to see them and act to set them free. Our ministry offers them support of a faith community where they can come and worship and pray and eat a freshly made meal and have dinner with some of us and have a conversation if they want and participate in Holy Communion if they would like before they leave. Let me give you just one example of how this works. There was a, one of our participants, one woman who came I've gotten to know her. She's told me her story. She said she grew up in a household that was abusive, that she was physically abused as she was growing up. She finally got old enough to move out, ran away, ended up on the streets, got abused some more. Finally, in the recent past, she was able to connect with the Oklahoma Mental Health Association and now is got medication and has a job coach and has a place to live. But what the Mental Health and others Association and others had told us when we were beginning to start this is that they can help with the job, they can help with the housing, they can help with the medication. There's a gap, though, they said in Tulsa for these people we work with because they try to go to church and they're not welcome. They scare people. They're not invited back. They said, if you all could provide some kind of setting for them to come so they would experience a faith community, that would be wonderful. And so she's one of those who has come. And if you ran into her in the hallway or on the street and asked her about her church home, she would proudly say, Boston Avenue. She would say, it's the greatest church in the world. She has found a church family. She's experiencing the love of God in a new and vital way. I don't think it's too strong to say she has been set free. 
Jesus says to the woman, you are set free. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, was so very clear that we Methodists live out our faith by doing good. That once we've experienced the love of God, we want to share that love of God, and we do it in acts of goodness. Remember, he had three general rules for those who came and asked his advice. He said, first, do no harm. That is, don't hurt anybody. Secondly, do good. And then he gave a whole list of all the ways we might do that. And then his third rule was stay connected with God. He said attend to the ordinances of God. And what he meant by that was be sure you're in worship. Be sure you have a private life of prayer. But also be sure you have a group to pray and study the scriptures with. Be a part of the community of faith because it keeps you connected to God and empowers you to do no harm and to do good so all this month we're working on this sermon series where we are proclaiming we are downtown for good and of course part of that means that we are going to stay in this location but just as importantly it means more than that it means that we are here to promote the common good we are here to do good we are downtown for good i think of all the ways that we do that Oh, we start with the little ones among us with our preschool. There's no test of membership. You don't have to be a member at Boston Avenue to be a part of our preschool. We want to serve and do good for these children and their families. We want to help them get off to a great start. We partner with Burroughs Elementary School and work with so many other of the Tulsa schools now because we want to support those teachers and we want those students to have the best possible experience in terms of the educational environment so they can grow and learn and become contributing members of our society we've started our Sistema Tulsa Orchestra now expanded to the choral program because we believe that we can inspire these children to greater heights that they will develop a sense of themselves that's so much more powerful and will lead them to believe that God has blessed them and given them talents and that they can go and use those talents and succeed in our society. We are downtown for good. Oh, we collect school supplies and snack packs and send money and send people to all different kinds of organizations, but we want to work with those close to us like Lindsay's House and Pearl's Hope and Restore Hope, our St. Luke's, Redemption Church, all of them in or around the downtown doing good. Living out God's love by doing good for others. We want to be a part of that. We want to lift people up. We are downtown for good. You understand. We sense it as God's call for us as individuals, but also for us as a church. Oh, you can come on Sunday morning. There's lots of good things happening then. You can go to Sunday school. You can be part of a fantastic music program. You can be in wonderful worship. You can come back for small groups during the week, study the Bible, read a book, discuss it together, pray for each other. All ways that we are trying to pour goodness into someone else's life so in turn they can share that love of God that they've come to know. Oh, we want to be downtown for good. But the bottom line is we want to be like Jesus. 
He makes it so very clear in this story today that he's come to extend the love of God to someone in need, to anyone in need. We want to be like that. We want to look for those opportunities. We want to be ready to be interrupted by someone in need so that we can respond with God's love pouring through us into their lives. Who can you see that society overlooks? Who can you see that doesn't feel invited? Who can you speak to? Who can you act to free this week? Jesus says, ought not this woman who's been held in bondage these 18 years be set free even on the Sabbath day? And of course the answer is yes, let's set her free. May that be true in all of our lives, that we see with those eyes of Jesus and we are ready to respond. Ought not this person be set free? Ought not they be set free? And if God could do it through us, we should be ready to say thanks be to God. Amen.